I mean, if they lose. I don't know what Stewart's draft could have done that they didn't do against Buffalo Dak. I mean, other than adding time on the clock, I don't know what they could have done. Man, they looked really good against Lorray. I guess is is I, I wasn't as impressed with them against Buffalo Gap as I was against Lorray. I, I liked. I just the, we the saw more passing in that game though. We saw more passing because they needed to because they weren't getting five yards a carry against Lorray. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me. And Leland, we finished up the region semifinals in football last week. We had a volleyball state championship last week. We had a lot of college football last week. But let's start back with the high school football. We went to Stewart's Draft. We saw the Stewart's Draft Cougars and the Strasburg Rams. And really, it ended up being a 14-point game. Strasburg in the second half did their best to make it a game. But really, it, it was just a game where Stewart's Draft was just the better team. And yeah. Strasburg put themselves in a, in a three-score hole, uh, 20 nothing at the first half. And it, even when they were coming back, it just seemed like every time, I believe they had the ball in a 20-14 to 14 scenario. And they just, every time they had a chance to take the lead, they just didn't make the plays they needed to, and Stewart's Draft did. Yeah, and, and really their defense finally clamped back down. They did very good in the first half, 20 to nothing at the, at the half. Uh, so a shutout in the first half. And then the third quarter, the defense just kind of lost their mind a little bit. And I think they were getting frustrated. They couldn't get their, all the pressure that they were putting on Hart. They couldn't get to him. Uh, they just couldn't get him in their hands. They couldn't put him on the ground. And so that's when that third quarter – Strasburg made their little bit of run, but then they finally got to him once and then they got to him again. And that really calmed things back down. Also, Strasburg had some penalties that at just the bad moments. And I'm not saying they were egregious or, you know, they weren't like personal fouls at the wrong time. It just, it was just, you know, that's how the game goes. They were already fighting from behind and, and they just couldn't afford those mistakes late, but between the defense and then, and then those penalties, yeah, Stewart Straff came out and uh, did what they had to do to get the win. They looked really good early. I, I think first half is, is what I've been waiting to see out of Stewart's draft. Um, I know you've been critical of me saying that, but I, I don't know. The offense was moving, and, I, and I, I just hadn't felt the offense seem as good as I expected them to be, as good as I saw them back at, uh, when they beat Larray in the middle of the season. I just hadn't seen that from them. First half, I saw that. So I think they're – I have a lot more optimism about them this week. I know um, it's not some kind of easy matchup with the Surgeon East Rock Eagles, but I, I have a little more faith in them going forward because I just was afraid without that offensive push that they've been kind of missing. Um, I was a little more worried about that. That doesn't always add up to total points in a game. I, I know they're averaging less points in these last five or six games and haven't scored more than 28 in uh, all, uh, one of them they did, but most of them they haven't. I don't think they need to be scoring 40 points every single game in these playoffs to get wins. Cause I think their defense is that good. I just, I, it's kind of the same mindset I have with UVA basketball. It's just, it, it seems like you're risking it a lot. If you're, yeah, your defense can be good, but if you're not, you know, outscoring them, then you're putting yourself in a lot of danger. You might be able to avoid if you just had a little bit of offense. I think their offense is a little more awake than I was giving them credit about a week ago. Yeah, um, their defense is really, really good. I mean, they held Strasburg to nine rushing yards in the game, totally yeah. total rushing yards. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. And this is a Strasburg team that was able to move the ball on the ground pretty well. 
the the running back there with uh, Jalen Bray, five carries, eleven yards, non-factor in the ball game. Uh, passing in the second half, I saw more of what William and Mary probably sees in Chase Hart. Um, the elusiveness was there in the first half, but he wasn't making the passes. Now, in his defense, he did have a lot of drops in the ball game throughout, especially in the first half. Yeah. But I felt like there were also some passes he just straight missed. In the second half, he did better. He hit those. He ended up 15 to 27, 231, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, and that pick was a legit pick. It was a horrible decision to let it go. And he threw it in a yeah. double coverage, and it was an interception. So that that was a legitimate interception. Um, but uh, I, I felt like Stuart Stratford, for the most part, did what they had to do. And really, uh, I know we... We I ended still up, think that kid's a little small for D1, though. Like, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, FCS, I think you can get away with a little more. Um, he is pretty elusive. I don't know how well his elusiveness is going to translate to the college game just because it's a, it's ratcheting it up as a notch in speed on the defenders, too. Casey Branch played well uh, defensively, like always. Um, and offensively. And offensively. He had the touchdown. He had a touchdown catch uh, and another big catch as well in the game. Um, but to me, Blake Roach kind of is a guy that gets the ball sometimes, but is more of a three yards in a cloud of dust kind of runner. And he kind of busted it out last week. You know, looking at his numbers, he averaged five yards a carry. He had 12 carries, 61 yards. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, and the other running backs were kind of held to smaller, yeah. quieter nights. And that was one of my points. I mean, if you went into that game and you told Coach Roller, okay, you're going to keep Aaron Nice to 17 carries for 52 yards. You're going to keep Watkins and Joel Howard relatively quiet. You're going to say, yes, sign me up for that. That means we're in good shape. But like you said, Blake Roach stepped up and had a big night. Casey Branch came up with the big plays when you needed them. Also, Jaden Watkins with a big catch uh, when they needed it. So it's just like the other guys stepped up. And I think that, between what they did in the first half and then how that game folded out. If those other guys can step up and make big plays when they need them, and then I assume they'll these other guys, Nice, um, Freddie Watkins, and Joel Howard, those guys will still have their moments the rest of these playoffs. Yeah, I give I, I, I feel better about their chances to really have a legitimate chance of winning a state championship. I'm not saying I had ruled it out completely before, but I think that game made me feel a little bit better uh, just seeing that the offense could flow a little bit. Yeah, I mean, three possessions, three touchdowns. That's that's what you want to see. So, yeah. Um, moving on to the other game, Riverheads beat Franklin 59 to six. Uh, second verse, same as the first and the third verse is going to be nothing after a quarter. Yeah. The the third verse is going to be similar when they play Sussex this week. Yeah, Sussex. Um, I mean, the t- they're better than what Franklin is. But okay. I don't know significantly better. I, I don't see, you know, 53 points uh, difference than what Franklin was. And, and maybe maybe 20 points better. And maybe that's being nice. I don't I don't know. I think I think this is still destined to be a high um, separation game. I, I, I watched a little bit of film over the shoulder <laughs> in a, at my in-laws house this last weekend and uh, of what Sussex has. And it's just it's just the similar kind of offense that they ran a couple of years ago in the state championship when we played them. And Hey, they came out in that game and came right down the field, put six points on the board. And I think a lot of people in the crowd were like, Oh, what do, what do we have here? And then Riverheads absolutely dominated the rest of that game. And I, I could see a similar thing this week. I could see Sussex, Sussex come out, have a good first quarter, seem like they're battling. 
in the very least, there's no way they'd do it for four quarters and beat Riverheads in four. I just don't see how that can happen. But I think it starts earlier. I think Riverheads separates themselves before halftime and cruise from there. Yeah, I think they separate themselves well before halftime. I wouldn't be surprised if they're up multiple scores at the end of the first quarter and they're pitching a shutout defensively. I just have no respect for the rest of 1A when it comes to comparing them to Riverheads. I just don't think they're there. The one thing looking ahead, and this is looking ahead, we can do that because we're media, we're not the players. Essex Trojans last year. Oh my God, I am not scared of the Essex Trojans. And they, they averaged 30 points a game, gave up 15 points a game. This year, they're averaging 43, and they're giving up nine. So they're two scores better yeah. and a score better on defense. Two scores better on offense and a score better on defense. So I think they're going to put up a bigger fight than they did last year in the beatdown that Riverheads gave them. I don't think Essex is going to beat them. I just saw that stat today and thought, okay, Essex is probably going to put up a bigger fight than they did a year ago. I just, again, we're talking about can they overcome – you know, a big point margin that they had last year. I mean, that game last year between Essex and Riverheads, um, I mean, was a huge margin. Um, it was a home game there. But I just, yeah, I. it's hard to make an argument about any one of these teams at this point. I haven't seen Galax, and that's the other team I keep bringing up. But, yeah, it's just Riverheads has just separated themselves. And, and like, in what I do for Riverheads, we'll talk about volleyball more in a minute. We, we have we're in a good district. We, we have competitive teams in a lot of sports and Riverheads has to keep up to that level because they I mean, they they choose to. They put in the work and they are committed to it. Football, they they've set the standard in football. It, it's not that they are good in football because, you know, Buffalo Gap, they had to keep up. But no, Riverheads has set the standard. So it's a little bit different for Riverheads, but they've already been tested all season. They played Glenvary early in the season. They played these uh, playoff one a teams from the other side of the state early season they beat the tail out of everybody and i just, it's just hard to come up with a story that riverheads is just going to go into one of these games like against sussex and just not be ready to play they come ready to play every single week i wouldn't expect any different than this one yeah i've got nothing else to say that's not going to sound slightly disrespectful to the opponent so let let's turn it back to Stuart Strap. we didn't really talk about looking ahead at that game uh uh Riverheads plays on Friday night. So does East Rock and Stewart's draft. I mean, East Rock is surging. I mean, they got hot at the right time. Um, we've talked about it. I know a good bit on radio about how East Rock all of a sudden kind of woke up and kind of found themselves and they've been moving, uh, moving the ball. Well, their defense really stepped up. I mean, I, it's a dangerous team for Stewart's draft. I mean, we sit here and talk about, you know, Riverheads ain't going to get beat. East Rock's capable of going beating anybody. I and mean, when they went and beat Buckingham County uh, 41-17, Buckingham County was a team that had beat Appomattox early in the yeah. season. Their one loss was to Goochland, who is a great 3A team now, and they barely lost to them. I'd so say that was an overtime. East Rock's capable of beating anybody in Class 2. That includes Stewart's draft, but just the same. I think Stewart's draft's strong, and, and their offense can move. And I think East Rock really has their hands full compared to you know last year when East Rock was – very good team, and they played Stewart Strap and absolutely dominated them. I think Stewart Strap's already proven enough times this year that they're a 40-point better team than they were last year. I mean, I think time after time you can see that on the scoreboard. Maybe not in the Riverheads game, but other games. I think East Rock's going to see that. Now, I don't think this is some kind of blowout in either direction, no. but I still think Stewart Strap's a stronger team. Yeah, I like Stewart's draft in this matchup, too. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic ball game. Um, 
The the one thing that would give me a little bit of reservation with Stewart's draft is I'm not sure they've seen a team with as much speed as East Rock. Um, so that will be interesting to see if if they can handle that. Sorry, Sorry when our basketball team beats Michigan State, my phone just goes crazy. Sorry. Um, but <laughs> I think that if Stewart's draft can keep East Rock from getting to the corner, getting to the edge and the outside, I think they've got a great chance to win this game. Um Again, it's got, you're going to be looking to Casey Branch. It's the guy they've looked to all year on defense. And, you know, 11 times out of 12, he's risen to the occasion and been enough. Uh, and the defense has been enough to win games for Stewart's draft. I think the offense is going to play particularly well again. I do think you're going to have to get more out of Aaron Nice than you did last week against Strasburg. I do think the running game is going yeah. to have to just flat out be better because you need to keep East Rock's offense off the field. Yeah, they're going to have to get more out of the running game. I agree. And I, I think... I said that in the game, going into the game, that Strasburg would probably try to focus on slowing down Stuart Strauss' running game. I think I think they did have a honest approach to that, and I think they took their chances with what the passing game could do, and it didn't come up. It didn't work, and, and I think I predicted as much I, on Friday. I, I was, was going to say, I think I told you that was going to happen too, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't believe I argued with you. I just told you the approach that I would take, and apparently that offended you. But anyway, during the six-game stretch that East Rock has been on, they – haven't played a defense anywhere close to what Stuart Straff's bringing. So I, I do think they'll get woken up a little bit here offensively where um, they, they're not going to put 40 points up on Stuart's draft. I mean, no. only one team has done that year this year. And that was a team that beat East rock by 50 points. So I just, I, I, I think East rock surging. I think they're good. I think they're dangerous and we, we could both could be wrong. They could come in this game and, and yeah, they could win play well and win it. But I just don't see that happen. I still think Stuart Straff's the better team for many reasons. That would be crazy, given the team they had last year. If if they win the region again this year, uh, with the team they have this year, not saying that this team isn't good, but they're nothing compared to the team that was last year. No, they were loaded with talent this year, and it seems like Trenton Morris has just kind of put the team on his back this year. Um, it, it it'd be interesting. I I I think the region's a little weaker this year. I just I think uh, that's part of it. I think it's a lot weaker, but yeah. Top to bottom, All right. yes. Stewart Straff has a cape, okay. but Stewart Straff has a chance to win a state championship as well. I mean, we can talk about the region not being as good as it was last year and be correct, but the top of it, Stewart Straff could still win a state championship. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, East Rock would be a little more surprising. All right, let's move to high school volleyball where Riverheads they went to the state championship game. It was awesome that they made it. They won last Tuesday night. They got to advance. Uh, with the big win over at Rappahannock. They went on to play Auburn in the state championship, came up come up a bit short. They lost in four games there. Auburn, a really good, solid team. They had beat Patrick Henry uh, on that Tuesday night before, so you knew Riverheads would have their handful uh, with whoever came out of that side of the state. And uh, a great season for the Gladiators. I mean, they, they battled through district play and, and did sit right there behind Fort, right kind of beside Wilson. And those teams went up to Class 3 and, uh, you know, Fort made a semi-run, but that was about it. Wilson wasn't really able to get going. But Riverheads got all the way to the state final, second place in the state. That's that's a great accomplishment for that team. Two years in a row now they've done that with a young coach. I mean, I I was just watching her play for Riverheads just a couple of years ago, and here she is coaching them to back-to-back state championships. So a lot of success there. They they bring a good amount of those girls back, and I think I, they're going to be knocking on the door next year. I'm not saying they're going to just jump back to a state title, but – uh, I mean, that's a hard road to go, but they're going to be a favorite in the state. Uh, no doubt about it. Yeah. And, and look, I know they wanted to win the state championship when they're there, but 
as you said, it's still a good season for them. Uh, they, they didn't get swept in this year in the state championship, which is good. Uh, they managed to win a set. Um, I know they wanted to, again, I know the goal when you go there is to win the whole thing, not just win a set, but, um, they, they played well this season. And when two of your three losses are to Fort defiance, who is one of the better teams in class three. And unfortunately for them, they're in the toughest region. So they lost in the region championship and then had to play the top seed in another region early and got bounced. Um, that, that that's a pretty good team and they're class one. And we, you talked about it with football, but it, it, as you said, it goes to all the sports. They're a class one school that plays class two and class three schedules. So it helps them yeah. when they get into the class one really playoffs. Benefit. Yeah. This, this is where it helps them when they get in the class one playoffs and it, it allows their teams to go deeper. Maybe than some people think and football, they're going to win a state championship volleyball. They came up just short, um, but it really helps them when they get into basketball, baseball, any sport really. And uh, so congratulations to Gladiators there. Uh, a good volleyball season. I mean, we've mm-hmm. been saying that these last couple of weeks because these teams have been dropping off each week. One of We lost one, but great season for Riverheads. Congratulations to them. Looking forward to watching them play more next year. All right, let's go. I just want to jump to college basketball because it's the elephant in the room, I feel like. Virginia Tech just knocked off number three Michigan State. We're going to talk about it more with Mike Barber here uh, in a few minutes in the B block, but it's just a – Crazy awesome win. I was really super excited about it tonight. Um, I was watching it, you know, in the car, listening on the radio in the car, uh, watching it in Lowe's, um, getting home just in time to watch those last couple minutes on TV. Um, I was yelling and scaring the kids. It was a fun time. And so (laughs) we knock off Michigan State, and it just brings me to the point, if we are capable of doing that, and I don't care how Michigan State is now versus how they'll be later, they have that much talent now. They're that well coached now. If we're capable of doing that, then we're capable of winning a lot of ACC games. We're not going to go undefeated. We're not going to win the ACC. That's not really my new goal or anything. I just think we're going to be better than we thought we were. And NIT should definitely be at least expectation with hopes of NCAA spots. Because I, I just want to get to the end of January. And if if we're capable of playing like this, we're going to have a lot of ACC wins where our, our projections will really increase. Yeah, but it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the year. I felt this was a bubble NCAA definite NIT team. And a lot of other people just, because Kerry Blackshear, the man who left us and I consider dead to me, um, because he left, all of a sudden we weren't, we were no longer an actual basketball team and we were going to be 14th in the ACC and, you know, teams like Pitt and, uh, you know, Wake Forest and Boston Boston College all these teams were just going to be so far superior to us. And the only team that we had a chance of beating would be Georgia tech. Okay. Well, we go out and we win at Clemson in the opener. Um, we beat a bunch of bad teams in between Clemson and Michigan state, but we looked good doing it. Um, we beat Michigan state. Buzz Williams was never six and oh at Virginia tech folks. Mike young is, um, so yeah, I, I really like what this team has done. Um, look, would I be shocked if we lose to Dayton tomorrow? Not really. Dayton played a good game today against Georgia, but you're you're asking a young team to play back-to-back games. It's a really emotional win over the number three team in the country today. So take whatever happens. The rest of this Maui Invitational is gravy. Um, so you got the big signature win against Georgia Tech. Uh, not Georgia Tech, but Michigan State. And um, I don't know why I said Georgia Tech. Oh, because I was thinking about that's the one team we're better than. Um, but... 
<laughs> you know, I just think that a lot of people really undervalued what impact Landers Nolly was going to have and the amount of experience we had returning. And the young freshmen we did bring in that Mike Young brought in, they're good players. And next year's class is going to be really good players too. And I just, Mike Young is a good coach. He knew what he was doing at Wofford. We, we got a good hire. It wasn't a sexy hire that some people wanted, but it was a good hire. And I think with Babcock, you know, he, he got a lot of heat when that hire was made. He can, he can kind of take a victory lap tonight on that. And uh, because I don't, you're right. We're not going to win the ACC, but I don't think we're going to be a team that finishes, you know, the the dregs of the ACC like we were projected. Yeah, we're not I, playing. On I the told first my friend in ACC Texas. Tournament. I told my friend in Texas, even when we were still when we fell behind a little bit in the second half to Michigan State, I was like, even if we don't win this game, I can tell you we're going to be closer to fifth than tenth. I think in the ACC. Um, yeah, we're if not we play on like the first this. Day of the ACC tournament. Yeah. So this team is not a bad ACC team. And to me, if you're sixth, seventh, you know, even eighth, I think that's good enough to get in the in the tournament this year. And so, yeah, I, I think this is a bubble NCAA tournament team probably. And we'll see what happens. Duke comes to Castle. We always give them fits when they come to Castle. I'm not saying we're going to win that game. But, hey, uh, we beat them last year when they had a far better team, in my opinion, than they do this year. Yeah, I, I- and, and I was going to say that I've seen new plays on this year and I'm, I'm not super impressed with what they're bringing. Again, I'm not either guaranteeing some kind of victory here uh, next week, but I, I'm not as scared of them as and, you think I'd be. And I'll bring it up again in the interview with Barber here in a minute. But I think Landers Nolly, when it's all said and done, people are going to look at him like he did and accomplished more than Nikhil Alexander Walker and Justin Robinson. I said it last week on this podcast. I'll say it again here. I love Landers Nolly. That guy is just such a great basketball player. And I know Barber loves with Beatty. There are moments where I want to break a TV watching with Beatty, But um, especially when he's, especially when he's at the free throw line, I, I was very close to putting my TV into Robert Morris's football field at one point tonight (laughs) when he kept breaking free throws. But um, (laughs) I just think this team is really, really good. And if, and if this team keeps playing like they did tonight, yeah, they can compete. They can compete with anyone on the schedule. They're fun to watch. Uh, UVA, who I don't find as fun to watch, uh, they got some good quality wins over over solid teams. Not not Michigan State. Yeah, they're not Power Five, teams. but they they're solid mid majors. Yeah, solid mid majors. And that's what they're supposed to do, and mm-hmm. that's what they will do. And they and they'll have their signature wins at some point. Man, Vermont uh, got close know, when though. You win didn't a national they? championship beat number three won't as excite you as much as it does for us. I acknowledge that. But uh, UVA, they're playing the same kind of basketball they've been playing. The the just ground you out, use up the whole shot clock, defense, keep you on the outside, keep that ball moving around the outside, let you guys stand 20, 30 feet away from the basket, keep let that clock run down. I, I, just, I just don't like – that it keeps teams that they should probably be putting away in the game too long. And, and it, it just worries me for their sake. I, yeah, I'm sure you spend a lot now. of sleepless hours yeah, worrying yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's just the same argument we made 24 months ago, or I mean, even 12 months ago. And, um, it just doesn't, I just don't think it is sustainable. That's my thought. I mean, I know they won a national championship, so you have carte blanche on this argument all day, UVA fans. I get it. But it just 
it'd be nice if he had a little better offense to to just dominate these teams. I mean, I guess you just have to shoot perfect percentage, or I get big guys in there or something, so you can just go down low and get you know twenty and ten from those guys, and then you could probably win at least sixty to forty instead of forty five forty. But um, yeah, what do I know? I mean, I'm not. Uh, Coach Bennett obviously knows what he's doing better than I do. I just it just keeps teams in those games a lot closer. And I, I do think most of us, I know the national championship last year was memorable. There was a game a year prior that was very memorable too, where a team that shouldn't have been around you was right there with you the whole time and leading you the whole time. And you couldn't do anything about it. So uh, I just I was that, say Vermont, that's what I think about them. Vermont was close. Vermont was winning for Vermont was very close for very late portions of that game. The game last night was super close. They only won by like three last night. Um, the one after UMass there. So I, I just, um, yeah, it's just not. I, it's not as good for them, but maybe that's good for me. <laughs> well, JMU's off to a hot start. They're four and two. Uh, they got a bit of an upset against Old Dominion. Uh, it was a bit hairy there for a second because it looked like ODU had yeah. made a game winner, but then it got waved off. Uh, so good for. Micro, uh, dirty jobs, getting the win at ODU, and then they beat New Hampshire. Next up is Coppin State. Uh, that that game will be being played probably by the time you hear this, uh, and we'll probably have won that game because Coppin State's not good. So we'll probably be yeah. five and two, and uh, good for them, I guess. Yeah, that, that's kind of where they're supposed to be. So, all right, NFL, your Ravens are playing at. Yeah, I'm right ready now, to project a winner. Thirty-five to six. Yeah, I'm ready to project a winner. They're, they're dominating. They continue to be a good team. We talked about it at a good length last week. Name. He asked me before we came on the podcast. Give me a team that can beat them. Is I think what you said. I said I brought up. Is there a, I, That's not what I said. I said, is there a team that can hang with us? <laughs> even hang. Just even hang with you. I, I feel, I feel like we're Riverheads right now, and the rest of the NFL is class one. <laughs> The 49ers was the team I brought up. Not that I thought they could hang with them, but I just thought that was the. I do think that's probably the team. They did Sunday yeah. night. I don't think they can. I think the Ravens. I think the Ravens are a step ahead right now. Now that's you know. There's a lot of football to be played, and we have to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Skins won. The Redskins won a game against the Lions, and I even I even defended the Lions before that game with my uncle, who doesn't watch football. He just basically makes fun of the Redskins because he works in in DC. And I said, well, he said, well, they could they'll probably win this week to play the Lions. I was like, well, the Lions aren't terrible. They've won with a lot of good teams, and yeah, but they're not good, good either. Yeah, no, they're bad. They lost to the Redskins, so people can stop talking about them. Hey, they get to everybody gets a national audience of the Lions on Thursday. Good luck with that. Steelers won. They benched Rudolph so they could. Um, I think they need to draft a quarterback. <laughs> and I think they need Ben Roethlisberger to be healthy for two. That's where I'm at. Quarterback on that team, I think they could do something next year. No. Oh. Um, I think their defense is good. I, I think offensively they have other issues too. Um quarterback is obviously the most glaring one right now but well it's the it's nfl I think a win's a win there. a win's a win and you'll take it but i would not feel good about that win against the Bengals. oh no i don't feel good about it i, I just 
that was not. I I was able to watch it. You know the bits and pieces that came up on the red zone, which when the Bengals are playing are few and far between because the NFL red zone will avoid them like the plague. But, um, yeah, I just felt when I was able to watch the the highlights that were coming in, I was like, man, I know Ducky Hodges is the third quarterback, and uh, look, Rob at least feels like he's the second quarterback, which is up for debate. I'm uh, it's whatever, but, um, I do think it doesn't matter. I I think those two are very similar in their ceilings, uh, in, in terms of what they are this year. I think career, I, you think Ducky Hodges is going to make something of himself. Uh, I don't, I took took what you were saying wrong. I took what you were saying wrong. Yeah, no, there aren't the answer. They aren't the answer. No, I already said when you draft a quarterback. Yeah. So I, I think talent level, they're about the same. Okay, Leland, let's hop back now a day in time from the Sunday games we're talking about to go to Saturdays. Virginia Tech uh, shut out Pitt, dominated him like I said they would because Pitt ain't blank. Uh, and Pat Narduzzi, man, nobody gets more right. animated than that clown. And I love watching him just get so angry to the point where he we'll, has we'll a talk- mini meltdown and, and then the Hokies pound him. We'll talk more about him later, but yeah, it's nice seeing him lose. Um, we're a different team, man. I know, I know you've been saying it with Hooker in there, but like, man, we are just a different team than that team that I know I stood there and watched us play Furman and struggle, and we're just a completely different team. Everybody on that team is just playing so much better, so much more confidence. I mean, at one point we were talking about Dak. Uh, that like he wasn't playing as good as we thought he should this year. He's playing great now. Our defensive backs are playing great. We're getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Hollifield didn't have an interception this week. He's he's slipping off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's lazy. <laughs> um, our running game looks better when we use it right. I, our guys are making big catches. We're making good throws. We're we're making the plays for each other. It's just there's so much fun to watch right now. And it does remind you of of past times and uh, which is nice. And I went down to the weight game and I had that feeling of old times in there, these two straight shutouts. I mean, that's better than what we used to do. So it's just, it's awesome. The, the trifecta here would be go into Charlottesville on Friday and make it feel like old times, like the last 15 years in a row, that would be the, the cake. But I mean, at this point, and I know we'll talk about it more with Barber. I just, I if I had to lean with how this game's going to go Friday, I'd be more leaning towards a butt whooping than I would one of these close ones. I mean, two years ago we went over there and only won ten nothing. Three years ago we only won by like a field goal. We did have that one blowout like a little bit ago, but I think that was at home too. I I don't know. It seems like we play better in Charlottesville than we play at home against the Wahoos. I I just think if I had to lean towards the way we go, I'm feeling like Joe and like saying some kind of 21 points here. Like I just feel like we're gonna control this game because we've been doing that these last couple games i mean i think Pitt is a it was a solid opponent we just came out and we got up on them early we're 14 nothing nine seconds apart we scored two touchdowns that defense again we've been scoring these defensive touchdowns i just think we're gonna do that in charlottesville and i think we're gonna keep their offense down i just i think we're gonna control this game i think it's gonna it's gonna at least be a fence fist clincher if not just a complete beat down yeah um i i agree with you i think that as long as Hendon Hooker stays healthy the whole game, I think this game's never in any doubt. Uh, and I do think he'll be healthy. 
we're going to hear Barber talk about it. And UVA's got great linebackers, but you know, I Pitt had the 11th best rush defense or sixth best rush defense in the country. We found a way to move the ball on them. Um, I'm not scared. I, I watched Liberty put up some points on UVA this week. I'm not scared. Uh, bring bring on the Cavaliers. Bring on the Coastal champion favorites. Uh, I'm not scared of them. Uh, with Hinton Hooker in, this team's so much better offensively. It's energized the defense. You heard Frank Beamer in his you know weekly Virginia Tech game interview oh, that he gives on yeah. ESPN talk about it. Said he's just brought a different energy to this team. And and you know what? In Frank Beamer's defense, I don't think he would have had to wait till the Duke game to make that switch. I think that switch probably would have been made in the off season, if not definitely after the Boston College yeah, game. Had him in there. Definitely after the Boston College game. And so I love it. Um, I'm glad that Ryan Willis didn't get booed when he got introduced on senior day. So the straw man argument of worrying about people booing Ryan Willis didn't happen. And who's worried about Virginia Tech fans? Can we just and by the way, can I saw a video of like Ryan Willis being emotional in the tunnel and like, look how much he cares. Yeah, Grant Nolan, Sean Glennon care, too. Are we going to build a statue of them and constantly tweet about how much they cared? I'd probably be crying. Are we gonna are we gonna be tweeting about you know Sean Glennon really cared about this program Grant Knoll really cared about this program No we don't you know why because they sucked Why can't we just let Ryan Willis suck and just say he wasn't good Supposed to care Yeah he wasn't what good The the quarterbacks behind him are better They were better They have been better their whole lives It just took us till after the Duke game to put him in and for you people to learn that And apparently you're scared to admit it. But I got news for you. If Ryan Willis was such a great leader, then why is Hendon Hooker coming in and the team is totally different in every single aspect of the game? If Ryan Willis is this great leader, why couldn't he do that? Here's a hint. Because you're overrating his leadership, one. And two, he's not good. If Ryan Willis was a good leader, he'd have led Kansas to like a Big 12 championship. Or at least, you know, a three-win season. (laughs) Like he would have stayed there or a three win season. He He couldn't even accomplish that. (laughs) He's horrible. Gosh. All right. Kansas by somebody. All right. We're going to smoke UVA. But again, we mentioned it. They won 55, 27 against Liberty. Good one for them. Yeah. This is the same, same UVA that one year cried that we had a bye week before we played them. This is the same UVA that always complains about our schedule before we play them. They have a bye week and then they play Liberty. So I'd never want to hear it again. UVA it, n- November, the whole sec schedules cupcakes right before Thanksgiving week. I don't like it. I don't like it for TV. I think it makes for a boring weekend on TV, but it happens now you're doing it. So shut up. Don't complain about Ooh, us doing it ever again. Liberty is an FBS team. I mean, it's not like okay. Alabama playing Western Carolina. It's not that level. I mean, they're no happy state. They aren't an at Liberty is no happy state. I will say that. Um, <laughs> JMU beat Rhode Island because that's what Rhode Island does is just lay down and get run over by every other team in the CAA. JMU is going to be the two seed. They get a bye week. Yeah. Great. Uh, we'll play the Monmouth Holy Cross winner and then kill them. Then we'll beat South Dakota State because I don't really respect the Jackrabbits. And then Weber, Weber State, Montana. Um, if if chalk holds, it's either it's probably the three seed Weber State. That's when maybe things get interesting. I do think JMU will win that game, and then they'll get killed by North Dakota State. But it wouldn't shock me if Weber State won because, like I said, there's Weber four, State. maybe five good teams in FCS, and everyone else is just terrible. 
Weber State or Montana come into JMU, I think, is a beneficial thing. Uh, both those teams have. I watched JMU Weber State almost past. beat them a couple years ago. Oh yeah, I mean, I, that was a cold. It game was cold. At JMU. It was. Um, but yeah, it. I. They're familiar teams. So, uh, but I think they have a capability of going a couple weeks here. But yeah, I think. I just haven't seen what I need to see in that team. The little bit that I've seen uh, that makes me think they're going to win a national championship. No. Bridgewater, their season comes to an end. They got the undefeated regular season, great regular season, 10-0, uh, beat up on some teams, but then came up against Delaware Valley in the playoffs here in the first round at home, lost by eight. They were up early, then it was tied for you know close to each other for a while. Then Delaware Valley kind of pulled away. Bridgewater had to fight back to get within one score, but unable to get any closer, and they go down. So great season for Bridgewater. We only started really paying attention when they had eight or nine wins, but, you know, if we were going to make fun of – I honestly have respect for D3 football. They know who they are. They know what they are. You, you talk about 1AA football or FCS or whatever, and it, it's a, it seems like a lot of people don't realize what that is. D3 football knows what they are, and uh, so I, I do respect – uh, good teams in D3. Bridgewater was one of them this season, just unable to get going in the playoffs. Yeah, Bridgewater had a good year. Uh, you know, obviously they're hoping with a home playoff game to win that game and, and move on a little deeper in the postseason. But still, they won the ODAC, which is a big, big accomplishment for them. That's a very competitive conference uh, in D3, and it's a good, good championship there. All right, now we're going to get over to Mike Barber and have him talk a little bit about the win against Michigan State for Virginia Tech basketball and then we're going to have him talk commonwealth cup with virginia tech and uva all right back here on yak sports podcast and for listeners we usually record on monday and we did no different this week and uh, we had questions all lined up from mike barber from the richmond times dispatch about football and football and football but basketball took our interest tonight with the Hokies beating number three Michigan State over in Maui. Mike, uh, your initial reaction to what you were seeing there with the Hokies beating Michigan State? Yeah, really surprised. And, uh, you know, I don't mean that as a knock. I just I think we all thought that this team was in a massive rebuild mode. And, and they may still be, but um, the ceiling or, or what they might be able to achieve just seems a lot higher now. I, I thought. It was very impressive that they opened the year uh, with a conference win. Um, you know, I, I thought that showed some grit and some resolve, but it wasn't exactly you know, the eye-opener that it is to, to go down to Maui and, and to beat Tom Izzo in Michigan State. You know, it, it doesn't mean that they're going to contend for an ACC title, but I'll tell you what, it, and a lot of basketball obviously remains to be played, if this is a team that ends up playing its way onto the NCAA tournament bubble, well, that's a pretty nice line to have on your resume when the committee comes to look at you to say that, you know, you beat Michigan State out in Maui. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of was my immediate reaction. I've already said it on the podcast tonight is that if they're capable of playing this well, sure, we're not going to go undefeated and, and win the ACC or something like that. But it's we're going to go into every game thinking we have a chance to win. And um, it just makes me, you know, kind of up, maybe not expectations, but hope. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I think it, in the end it may speak more to where Michigan State is at this point in the season. But the reality is I did not think this Virginia Tech team had the pieces to, even if you catch somebody on an off night, 
pull an upset like this. And, you know, if you watch that game, and I, I got to watch some of it down there in the press room in, in Blacksburg while we were doing football interviews, I mean, there were guys making one-on-one plays, and I, I'm particularly thinking about what Visa Beatty. He was making some one-on-one plays against Michigan State's, you know, best players and getting to the rim and scoring and drawing contact. And that is something that translates. You know, I, we'll see in terms of the whole team and, and how the game is being played. But um, at the end of the day, if you can make those plays uh, in that one-on-one setting, you can do that against anybody. Uh, Mike, I'm not going to put you on blast or anything here or say that, um, you know, that you had anything against the former coach uh, (laughs) that was the basketball coach at Virginia Tech. But it seems like the media really loves Mike Young's demeanor a little bit more than buzzes. Uh, Can you talk about, you know, just (laughs) the interactions you've been able to have with Coach Young? Yeah, Mike's been great. And, you know, I, I was just talking to somebody who covered him when he was at Wofford, and I made the point that, you know, sometimes there are coaches who are great with the media because they think you should be great with the media. Um, and that's good, too. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying uh, this is part of, of my job and I'm going to do it. But Mike Young, the interactions I have with him anyway, he seems genuinely to be a really nice guy. Um, when he says it's good to see you, I think he means it's good to see you. When he asks about my, my newborn son, I think it's because he wants to know how my newborn son's doing um, I really appreciate that, and, and certainly it's a very dyna- different dynamic than what we have with Buzz. Um, Buzz was an interesting guy all to his own, but um, you know I think Mike is showing that you can you can be a nice guy, you can be approachable, you can get along with the media, uh, and you can still win basketball games on a high level. And he certainly went out at some alley tonight and did just that. I also want to ask you about Landers Nolly. Uh, he's a guy who has really taken off here in the beginning of the Virginia Tech season. Obviously, it was a guy that the Hokies were hoping to have last year. They didn't. They do have him this year. You know, this is a guy that when I'm watching him, it just feels like, and I know Nikhil Alexander-Walker was really good last year and Justin Robinson was really good last year, but this guy seems like his ceiling could be even better than them when it's all said and done. Is that just me, or do you feel the same way watching him? Well, I think he has an incredibly high ceiling. And I, I think the difference was for those other guys you mentioned, they had each other. Um, and that, that's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, I think it made them all better. I think it made them all look better, made them all more effective. You know, if Justin Robinson's the guy getting you the ball, you're going to get the ball in some good spots. Uh, if Nikhil Alexander-Walker's the guy getting you the ball, you're going to get the ball in some good spots. So I'm almost more impressed with Landers Nolly. And that's not to rag on, on the current team, but – I think he has less talent around him. I think he has less experience around him. Um, and he's still been able to play at that kind of a level where, where you look on the court and you say, these guys are good. That guy might be great. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really exciting. And, you know, it's, it's hard not to go back and think about, you know, what would it have been like if they had him last year? And, and I don't know. I don't know that there were more minutes for a player uh, like him last year, but he's certainly a guy that, carry this team uh on a lot of nights this year all right well the reason we originally lined you up for this was uh i mean what i had i follow key play they call it hate week i think the players have caught on to that and alumni too it's hate week in virginia where uh, uva is going to host virginia tech and football and I, I mean the first comment that i have about the game is man it's a 180 from where we were eight weeks ago with Virginia Tech and Virginia, I was conceding to all my 
uh, UVA friends, which there's probably two, um, that, you know, Tech's probably going to lose them. Virginia looks a lot better. And, man, I think it's 180. I don't think UVA looks as bad as we looked back then, but we're playing really well and really, I think, probably <laughs> are probably the favorite now in, in most people's eyes. Yeah, and, you know, what's, what's interesting today is it is hate week, and I get that, but talking to the players from both teams today, I think it's more about being championship week. Um, I think that matters to these guys, and the fact that it, it's this game and that it's the, the rival that you want to beat the most, and, and if it's UVA, you know, you're, you're the, the team that you're just always talking about ending that slump, and if it's Tech, you're all talking about not wanting to see the streak end and certainly not wanting to see it end in Bud Foster's last season, but it's championship week too. And, and that means a lot to these guys. And you're right. I, I think that um, seven or eight weeks ago, when, when tech lost to Duke on September 27th, that Friday night game, and lost 45 to 10. And I, I thought the season was essentially over. I mean, I thought they were going to have a hard time extending the bowl streak. Uh, I thought they were absolutely going to lose to UVA. Um, I did not think coach Fuente's job was in any danger, but I, I thought there was a lot of, a lot of bad things kind of coming their way this year. And, they have absolutely turned it around. They've changed uh, their identity, the identity of this football team, the way they want to play football. Um, and I think you're right. I think Virginia's playing very well right now, too. I think that's getting a little lost in the narrative um, because I think Tech is playing better. I think Tech is hotter, and I think Tech is is the, the favorite in this game. But Virginia's won three in a row, and they've gotten back to their roots with, with Bryce Perkins running the ball. Um, to me, it's two teams that don't like each other, two fan bases that really don't like each other. They're going to play for the Coastal Division title, and both teams are good, and both teams are playing well. well you you mentioned it's a change in identity for the Hokies. It's a, it's a change in a lot of things. And look, the entire team has played better, but you know the change with Hendon Hooker and when he's in the game versus when he's not in the game. Uh, the first few games when he wasn't playing at all and it was the Ryan Willis show, obviously that offense was mediocre to poor and it's been a lot better since he's been in and I think that helps the defense uh with not having to be on the field the entire game but what is UVA I know UVA's defense has been pretty good most of the season the secondary is a little beat up now but who on UVA's defense is going to be able to do something that these other defenses in the ACC so far have not been able to do and slow down the uh Hendon Hooker show yeah, I think that the big advantage that they have is at the linebacker position. Uh, Jordan Mack, Charles Snowden, um, those are the kind of guys you want when you're defending a mobile quarterback. They have the length, they have the speed, they're explosive. Um, so I think that duo uh, gives Virginia something that some of these other teams maybe haven't had uh, in terms of now those are two NFL-caliber guys playing linebacker, one on the inside and one on the outside. I think that's going to be huge for Virginia, but – you know, at the end of the day, Hendon Hooker, he's, he's been good, but it's not like he's lighting it up. They're just running a smarter offense. Um, you know, Ryan out there, I think there was more things that they trusted Ryan to do, and I think they were doing too much. And with Hendon, they've kind of simplified, and the result has been what they do, they're doing better. It's allowing them to possess the football, to dominate time of possession. That's giving Bud Foster's group the chance to really take the field rested and fresh. And I think Bud's been a little more aggressive uh, with his group, getting after people. And, and it's just, like I said, it's just changed the entire identity of what they're trying to do. I want to, I mean, this is a personal question more than anything. 
you know, I'm going to this game. I, I'm making plans to go over to Charlottesville on Friday uh, midday there. And what do you? What's your take on UVA and so? They have single game tickets available, but there's this mandatory $100 donation per ticket. What? What do you? What's your view from the media side of things of the of the games that UVA is playing with their tickets to try to avoid the Hokies just coming in there and and buying up all the tickets, even though they'll still probably buy a lot of tickets in the meantime. Well, what's your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's smart. I think it's, it's what a lot of programs that are building do. Um, it's kind of annoying if you're the visiting fan. Uh, it's kind of nice if you're the home fan. And if you can squeeze some extra money, I mean, um, you know, people I thought gave Virginia a little bit of a hard time when they um, charged money for their banner raising ceremony, for example. And people were like, well, why would you charge money for that? But if you think about it, it was cheaper to get into that and more accessible uh, than it would be to get into a game. If you had raised the banner opening night, um, you know, then there's going to be fewer people there uh, because the floor is being used for basketball and the tickets cost more. So um, I don't love any of those things, but I understand that's the reality of college football and college sports these days, that um, you do what you can do to squeeze the most money uh, out of your TV deal, out of your ticket sales, out of your concessions. Uh, and, and you certainly do what you can do to maintain your home field advantage. So uh, I get it. I, I guess I don't think it's a big deal. I, I understand why they're doing it. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get in that game. It's a big deal for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it's essentially a $100 surcharge, so it, no doubt. But, uh, I mean, again, if, if you're thinking it from their point of view, and, you know, it's interesting, they introduced beer sales this year. They have a, a beer garden there for the fans at um, one end of the stadium. And I don't think Bronco Mendenhall is a huge fan of that because of, uh, you know, his religion and his personal, his personal beliefs. and um, But he said kind of bluntly, hey, we, we do what we got to do to support this athletic department and to, to get into the facilities races that with Clemson and, and some of the stuff that Virginia Tech's done with the Beamer Barn. And um, it's just the reality of the business side of things. And uh, the less I think about it, the more I still enjoy college football. All right. Well, I, I think we hit it from enough angles. I'm sure you're going to be there covering the game. Who you got? Yeah, so this is interesting for me because I think Virginia is still the better team. Uh, I think Virginia's had the better season. I think there's a lot of – I think Bryce Perkins is going to be the best player on the field, and I have Virginia Tech winning the game. So that doesn't make a lot of sense, but I've seen enough Virginia Tech-Virginia games to know that, hey, these are two good teams right now. They're both playing good. I think the game's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to the end, and you guys know – who wins games when they come down to the end between these two? I, until I see Virginia Tech not do it, I can't picture in my mind the scenario where Virginia is the team that makes the play, where Virginia is a team that doesn't have the bad break or doesn't make the mistake or doesn't make the error, doesn't give up the big play. Um, doesn't again, use a timeout when it's obvious to use a timeout? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, the, all of the things that they've done from, from the Al Groh years to the Mike London years to, to now with Bronco and you know, the Bryce Perkins fumble. Bryce Perkins is a great football player, a great football player, and probably should have uh, won the game, you know, right there or, or a play later. But that's what happens when Tech and UVA play. So um, I'll tell you that I think Virginia's better. I'll tell you that I think Bryce Perkins is the best player on the field. And I'll tell you that I still think Virginia Tech's going to win this game. So, look, you've mentioned there in the beginning of the interview leading up that it's an important game because it's the coastal championship and then there's the added rivalry to it and the streak and all that. It seems like every year at the beginning of the year, we 
UVA comes out with some new, you know, prop to smash that they, you know, spray paint Virginia Tech on or something. To me, I love it as a Virginia Tech fan because it means we're living rent free in their head and they're thinking about us 24-7. And it's not that we don't think about UVA, but really we just view it as a game that at the beginning of the year, we feel like we're going to win that game at the beginning of the year. And now that the game's here, I still feel the same way. And look, uh, like Leland said, after the Duke game, I was about ready. We had to, some dips in there. <laughs> yeah. I was ready to tear down the stadium if Wente wasn't gone. But um, I, what do you think of that? Do you think UVA puts almost too much on the streak and they, they allow themselves that if the game is close, then they start thinking about it. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then they get nervous. Or do you think it, do you think it's a healthy thing? Because to me, honestly, I think a lot of these boneheaded mistakes that they make late in games is because they're thinking about it and, and the Hokies are in their head. I, I do think they tighten up. Um, I, I think they tighten up when things start to go uh, poorly. I think that that's something that they've worked out of this program uh, for 11 games out of the year, and they still can't work it out for the Tech game. Um, you know, I think Bronco, I remember that first game when he lost his first game. Uh, you know, against an FCS opponent, and he talked about the demeanor on the sideline, how when a bad thing happened, it just seemed like the whole team deflated. And they've worked really hard and changed that culture and changed that mindset, and it is a great culture, and it is a great mindset 11 weeks out of the year. And then they play Virginia Tech, and it's like they're the scared little little brother again, um, and they have to shake that. I don't think you shake that without winning. I don't think the stuff they do um, to emphasize the game hurts them any more than it's just a streak, right? It, it, that's what matters. And the fact that they have a countdown clock in the locker room, I talked to the players today. They were like, you know, I'm not even sure if it counts down to tech or if it gets reset every week. It's not as big a deal as probably us in the media make it. And the reality is I think it's healthy that Bronco has embraced, hey, this is important. And it's nice that it's the last game, right, of the regular season because it means anytime you beat somebody, you're still humbled a little bit because you've still lost 15 in a row to your rival. There's still a reason to go to work on Sunday. And um, I think all of that's healthy, but I do think that when they get on the field and they get between the lines and something goes wrong, this is the one opponent that is in their head and it gets to them and, and they kind of they kind of mess themselves a little bit. That's interesting. Well, uh, to get you out of here, we've asked you what you, know, you binge watch, what's your favorite thing on TV recently. I think we had not asked you what is your favorite football movie? Oh, that's a good one. You know, if it wasn't for the stupid scene where the guy's eye pops out, I really liked <laughs> Any Given Sunday. I thought that was a really good movie. I just couldn't get past that stupid, the eye pops all the way out. And, and, and I know there's bad injuries in football. I get that. But um, I really enjoyed everything about that movie. And that scene, like, ruined it for me. Um, so I probably have to say Waterboy because of how much I hate <laughs> the stupid eye popping out in any given Sunday. That's a lot of hate if, if Waterboy is coming in next. So, um, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on here with us and talking about Hate Week. Uh, we'll be watching. We'll be reading from you this week. Uh, remind our listeners of how to uh, keep up with you this week and all the time. Yeah, you can uh, read my stuff at richmond.com. And follow me on Twitter at RTD underscore Mike Barber. All right, Mike. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us, and uh, we'll talk to you here in basketball season. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys.
Again, thanks to Mike Barber for joining us and talking to us about uh, the basketball and and the football. Um, I know we'll be bringing him back on as basketball season gets a little deeper as I, well. But um, we appreciate I, I him taking about to be his. I thought that was about to be his last time on the podcast. I thought he was going to pick UVA. I thought I was going to call him crazy and not invite him on and not respect his opinion. But at least he has sense. He said he's never he hadn't seen it. Why 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 do something he hasn't seen? So I, I respect that. I really thought he was about to pick UVA, and I was going to be like, how at this point? Like, how? But yeah, yeah at least he had a, like, that's fine. Came back down to earth. But yeah, we thank him for taking time out of his busy day. We're always going to bring him back on. For taking time out of his busy day to come and talk to us. Uh, traveling back on, uh, you know, after interviewing people in Blacksburg there. Yeah, thanks for making time for us, and uh, hopefully all, all you listeners appreciate that. That guy knows it all between those two programs, and uh, it's nice to get him on here and talk about that. Uh, Leland, what is dominating your life? Thanksgiving. Uh, we talked about it a lot last year. I think we talked about favorite dishes and all that. So if, if you want Joe and I's thoughts on the Thanksgiving you know, feast, uh, go back to a year ago and check that podcast out. But Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is my favorite Thanksgiving movie. And I know you're going to think, well, you know, what, what's it up against? Like how many Thanksgiving yeah. movies are there really? But Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is just the best. It has Steve Martin, John Candy, and it's just the, I mean, it's been, the the plot line's been redone so many different ways, but two guys that aren't getting along very well keep getting put into the same situation with travel, and then they kind of team up for a while, then they try to get away from each other for a while, but they just keep, their paths keep coming together, and uh, both of them kind of have to come to terms with, uh, you know, themselves a little bit in the journey. Um, it's such a great movie. It's John Candy at his absolute best. I just, I love, I love that movie. We watch it every Thanksgiving. Um, and Martin rents a car, gets to the parking spot, and there's just like screech marks where the car used to be in the parking spot. And then he misses the bus back across the, you know, the runways to uh, get back to the uh, the desk. And he has to walk there, and he finally, and he, and he falls down in the streets, gets, you know, loses his hat, just terrible. Everything bad happens to him. He gets back to the desk, and he just lights into the desk uh, lady there. It is just the best. I mean, I was probably the first time I saw that scene, and he uses it uses in a very adult word, probably twenty six times in a short span, and. Uh, but then when she gets the best of them in the end, it's just like one of my favorite moments from any 80s movie. Um, so it's just a great movie. If you haven't seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, go watch it. And if you haven't seen it for a long time, you know, remind yourself of it and go watch it because it is just so good. And um, watch it. I love it. And join me in loving this movie. Okay. Um, what's dominating my life? Okay. I, I have I nothing to comment say. there. It's, it's an okay movie. I don't love it, but it's okay. Um, when was the last time you watched it? It's been a while. That's that's why just try I it. I said just I liked it. it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I'm not going to make time out of my schedule to go watch that movie. It's not. It you doesn't mean that much to me. A podcast talking about Augusta County. Yeah, I know that eats up a lot of time. time. That eats up a lot of my time. I'm trying to be active. Um, <laughs> what is dominating my life? and eating up more of my time trying to be active. Uh, I just finished the, uh, I guess, first half of the last season of BoJack Horseman. It said their, their final episodes are coming out in January. Um, so I'm caught up. It's all coming crashing. 
Oh my gosh, dude. It's again, I know Leo and I have talked about this show already. And if you happen to meet us not talking on the podcast, we've probably talked to you about this show as well. It's a good show. Super dark. Don't go into it. If you know, you, you've had a bad day or whatever, but you'll um, get some good laughs. You'll get some laughs, but man, you're bad. also just going to end the day going, wow. Uh, it's, <laughs> It's some really dark stuff they touch on uh, in this season as well. And um, I'm excited for the end. I think I know how it's going to end. But yeah, it's a funny show. There's a lot of funny side jokes. At this point, I'm afraid it's going to end how Star is born ended. But uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll just say if you if you have never seen the show and you want to see the show, go ahead and skip about. 30 seconds hit the 30 second skip here uh right now if you have bojack horseman living at the end i think you're wrong i, I don't yeah, think I he's think gonna he's gotta go down yeah i think he's gotta go down okay you killed off other like major role people mm-hmm. in the show okay so. all right what i know that you need to know i'll take mine first and then we'll get to yours because you're just gonna make me laugh um rex chapman twitter always puts the blocker charge stuff like leland talked about but he finally put one that before the thing happened, I knew what was going to happen, and I knew what the guy did wrong. It's and I'll ha- I gave it to Leland so Leland can share it. But the guy is doing a lot of things wrong. But the thing I noticed that he did wrong first, he's trying to cut a tree branch with a chainsaw. He's on a ladder, which is dangerous thing way number up. one. Yeah, way up on a ladder, which is dangerous thing number one. He's leaning on said ladder and using one arm to try to cut the branch with the chainsaw dangerous things two and three but all of that probably he could have gotten away fairly unscathed or not scathed at all uh and if he had just with the chainsaw started by cutting under the branch a little bit and then going from the top down if you do that uh, with the branch as as much as heavy as that branch was as much weight as it's putting you're gonna have what happens in that video which is the branch starts to snap it snaps all the way, and then it kicks back because that pressure's got to go somewhere. It comes back and whacks that guy off the ladder, hoping he's okay. There were a lot of people uh, around, which would make me scared that this was a company doing this um, or just family that was like, yeah, he's an idiot. Let's let's all get our phones out and watch this. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, but I guess my it, point is very few times when I watch those videos am I like, I have actual knowledge of, Oh, he should have done this differently. Um, but yeah, super funny. It, it more reminded me of that bear that was up in that tree and those people came and, you know, shot it out. And PTI and, and ran it. For, yeah. <laughs> and it ran, it landed on the trampoline. It reminded me of that, except there's no trampoline down there. for this Oh, guy. no. This guy so. lands on the ground. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. And then a bunch of PETA people got mad and made PTI stop running it. But that was so funny. <laughs> Yeah, it was the greatest. That was the prime of PTI. Uh, All right, what I know that you need to know, Narduzzi. And I'm sorry, I forgot that you put this down here. I'm sorry, I stole your thunder a little bit. Uh, no, it's fine. He, He's just terrible. My note on here is a lot more adult on this, but he's just not good. I don't like him. I, I probably would say he's my least favorite coach, at least in the ACC, because 
they just they've learned him. They know they just gotta have that Narduzzi cam. They just have one camera following that guy because they know every play he's gonna start crying about what went wrong against him. All the referees are always against this guy. Just he cries about every single call, every single thing that happens. It's just wrong, and he's outraged, and he it just. I talked about Notre Dame's coach being like the most miserable person on earth. I think Narduzzi might be more miserable, but he's just more vocal. And I guess he looks less sad because he just, he's more angry and mad and red faced. And I just, I'm so tired of him. I can't stand him. I hate, I, it makes me hate Pitt so much because I just can't stand him. When Trey Turner got rocked helmet to helmet hit, and you could hear it. You could hear it. They look, get it a second to look, and you can hear in the stadium through the TV broadcast, you can hear in the stadium, everybody seeing the replay going, oh, like it's a helmet to helmet hit. And then you see him turn away from the camera and like start shaking his head, like, see, the Dumbotron proves that I'm, that it wasn't a helmet to helmet hit. Then the TV coverage finally starts showing replays, and it is unbelievably obvious that it was a helmet to helmet hit. Just there's no way there isn't a helmet-to-helmet hit there. And that is the rule. If it's a helmet-to-helmet, leading with your helmet like he did, it is a penalty. So he's arguing that it isn't. Come to find out after the game in the interview, he says it's a good hit. That's a good football hit. Is he not paying attention to the sport? Like, what, what world does he live on that he thinks that's a legal hit? He thinks that's a good hit. He thinks the refs got that call wrong. In the sport that they're playing now where every single rule that they're putting in is for player safety and for stuff like that not to happen. Yeah, maybe in the 1970s, that's a good hit. But those guys can't walk now because of how many hits they've had on them. And so football is trying to clean that up. That's not a good hit. That's not even one of those where like, well, the guy ducked down, you know, bit his head over right when I was coming. That wasn't one of those. The guy just came in straight helmet to helmet contact. So you've got to be, you've got to be completely crazy if you think that's a good hit and so him crying him thinking that's a good hit and then his player control overall pregame he's got players going into our end zone stomping up the field tearing up the grass he has no no control he has everybody with his bad attitude on this so people I mean, you think this is hurting the like you're you're digging up the field in the end zones where they never got in that football game and just being completely disrespectful to the grounds crew, to the institution of Virginia tech that spends money to have a good playing surface. So the players can play on it safely. And they're in there trying to rip it up and, and disrespect it that way. It's just, it's so stupid. Come out and score a point, come out and win a football game. That's how you disrespect the university. That's how you come out there on top. You don't go through the end zone. He has no control over his program. I just don't like Narduzzi whatsoever. I have, very, very, very little respect for that coach. Yeah. Um, I didn't make you laugh, did I? No, because I've already known this. Um, but I will say this. I think... Yeah, this isn't new. It yeah, isn't new. It's in, ongoing. I do think Narduzzi says that's a good football hit because his player is the one who made it. If it was reversed and one of our guys had done that to his receiver, he would have said it was the worst hit in the history of football and the kids should never be allowed to play again. I just think Pat Narduzzi looks at it through uh, turd-colored, turd-shaded sunglasses because he's a turd. Um, 
I have, like you, I have no respect for him or his program or the players on his team. I just think they're jerks. Um, uh, yeah, now that Mike Herndon's not on there, I can We can say that. <laughs> yeah, we can say it now that he's not on there. Not that Mike Herndon's a jerk, but everyone else. Yeah, he was the greatest, but everybody else, they stink. Well, and George Aston was cool, but everybody else. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think Narduzzi's a good guy. I don't. I don't, I don't want to meet him. I don't want to shake his hand. I don't want to get to know him. Like, I don't feel that, even though Bronco Mendenhall coaches UVA and Tony Bennett coaches UVA, I don't feel that way toward yeah. them. They're class acts. This yes. guy's not. This guy, um, you mentioned the scuffing up the O in Hokies in the end zone, which I thought doing the H, Brad Byrne Burn was hilarious, saying he was just outlining how many points they were going to score. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, you know, it's it, before the game when he's being interviewed uh, in the week during the week leading up, and he's like, "We're not going to have any false starts because we didn't have any at Penn State. Oh, We're not yeah, going to be intimidated." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Hollafield on their second false start, motioning uh, finger, putting up two fingers toward the sideline toward Pat yeah. Narduzzi, which you know what normally I'd have a problem with, but I was like, "Nah, he's kind of a no. yeah, he's kind of a jerk, so he deserves it. Uh, he's on earned Twitter, it." On Twitter, I saw someone going, "I, I like these Hokie fans like taking credit for these." false starts i mean it's been happening all season and i'm just like your coach said it wasn't your coach said it otherwise we wouldn't be saying anything yeah we cheer after a false start but like yeah that's great and they're saying well it had nothing to do with the fans well isn't that worse like there wasn't like so your team's just not disciplined just stink yeah yeah um so that and then i i'm sure you saw as well the the locker room post game that the picture that's been floating around on twitter too of the visiting team locker room uh, at Lane Stadium, just full of trash and and you know it was like you know a lot awesome of teams guys. do a good job cleaning up and obviously pit football not so much. Um, yeah, if I was Pitt, I'd be embarrassed. Uh, what has Narduzzi accomplished in his time there that has that allows you to kind of put up with this behavior? I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not saying your head coach has to be a saint in every aspect of his life. I, no one's perfect, but Be that guy is overtly a jerk. He is nasty. He runs a classless team, and and every time they lose, it's the officiating. It's never that his team gets outplayed. He always is in the officials' ear crying about some call. Um, I, I just don't get it. The guy has done absolutely zero for that program other than get them to the Coastal uh, win the coastal last year, and then they got sacrificed by Clemson, which may be very well what happens to us. But we've won an ACC championship. Uh, Pat Narduzzi hasn't. Pat Narduzzi never will because Pat Narduzzi's not a good enough coach. So, uh, yeah, the only thing you're nice right. I can say about him are in relation to Mike Herndon, and I'm glad Mike Herndon had the opportunities he had and won all. And uh, but I think Mike Herndon was recruited by a different coach, so that's that's part of the I did there too. I did put, I believe the exact words you used uh, in your description here on our Google sheet are the exact words I texted you late in the fourth quarter when he was complaining about something to an official uh, late in the game. So, and, and, uh, oh no, it's not the exact same, but it was pretty close. But yeah, I I just think, I I, I just think he's a bum and I'm glad we beat him like a bum. And we're going to play UVA. We're going to win the Coastal. And I hope we take a picture, uh, a team picture, and send it to Pat Narduzzi um, just because he's a jerk. I, 
yeah, where I was going, I was like, I, I think there is some positive things he's done for Mike Hernan, and I appreciate that. I haven't seen anything myself, and especially away from anything with Mike Hernan, I haven't seen anything I like. And I, I really, everything points to bad. The leaving the mess, like you're saying, bad. Um, the, the way his players are behaving, bad. Talking about illegal hits in a good way, bad. So I just, I'm, I'm, I am done with him. I am very much done with him. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Going to see family on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, going to the Star City there in Roanoke. Um, so it should be a good time. And then... Because uh, you guys rotate. You went north last year, right? No, we went south. Oh. It was just a different... Right. We went further south. I, I went further south. Um, but this year we're going to Roanoke uh, for Thanksgiving Day. Then uh, I'll be back here because we got Riverheads football. So... We got the local family hits uh, two two Thanksgiving meals in one day for me, wow. which uh, helps me keep my figure. And then uh, on Friday, I'm trying to do the doubleheader. I'm trying to get over to Charlottesville. Um, if anybody has some tickets laying around, you can you can talk to me about them because the tickets my group was talking about might not be working out. So uh, you know your favorite podcast might need a ticket or two over here. Um, and then uh, just look at the third party back- site. That's how you avoid the hundred dollar donation. Yeah, but those have their own amount of money on top of that too. That's fine. I'll get at a least ticket. it's not I'll going to UVA. I'll go over there on Friday without a ticket, and I'll get in that stadium. I have no problem about that. I just if it could be solved before I go, that'd be nice. But anyway, trying to do that, then get back to Riverheads to cover the game. We'll be on the radio for Riverheads Sussex on Friday with updates with the other games, and Joe and I will be pre-gaming from five thirty on the radio, and we'll be on till about nine with the post-game. So uh, then uh, the rest of the weekend's busy too. So, but it's I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite. I think it's my favorite holiday. I think it's just the like the built-in four, maybe five days, depending on how you do it. Uh, days off of work there. I just I love it. Yeah, I, I like spending time with the family. I don't. Turkey's okay. Turkey's okay. I don't mind eating it Thanksgiving Day, but after Thanksgiving See, Day, fun. Friday, I. Okay, Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, turkey is good. Day after Thanksgiving, it's okay. After Friday, I never want to eat turkey again until around Christmas. Um, That's your problem. You're, you're, the turkey's there. The turkey's a staple. The turkey's got to be there. But it's those side dishes, man. I, no, and I, mashed, potatoes mashed potatoes are gross. Macaroni and cheese is good. People mashed potatoes are stuffing. gross. Stuffing is gross. Lots Scott Van Pelt has my back on that. Scott Van Pelt. My boy, um, yeah. You're just no. Your focus is wrong, and I think you could you could have a better Thanksgiving if you just changed your focus. No, the family's great. I'm, I I'm think there. I'm right. Church, yeah, no, the family is the focus. I think that's the focus. I think I'm right. I'm just saying. I also get family with Christmas, and I don't necessarily have to eat turkey. It's usually what's there but I'm not having an insane amount of leftovers either. Man, for me, Thanksgiving's Christmas without all the present, uh, all the, without all the presents and all the stress related to that. And honestly, I think I get more time off around Thanksgiving. So I, I, I'm more here for Thanksgiving. I don't. All that stress, present. I don't get how present. you get more time off, but okay. I guess depending on when Christmas is. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, see, I'm not stressed out. I get more time off. <laughs> I'm not stressed out about buying presents for I other people. Many construction jobs at schools where Christmas break is like uh, get busy time done. In yeah. Three weeks. yeah. Okay. I guess I get that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't get stressed out. I, I like buying other people gifts. It's something I enjoy doing. So I don't view that as a stress stressful thing. So I guess you need to change your focus on that and have, enjoy have the gift kids. giving. Have have some kids. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> I have think kids. I so stressed, but there were there was nieces and my kids and I bought I have bought presents for kids. It's not hard. They're not mine, but yeah. I say this: I don't buy anything. I buy one person gifts. I just have to like make sure uh, the the leader of the house here. Uh, has all the ideas and information she needs to buy the stuff. So maybe maybe that plays into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it myself. So I get I get the satisfaction <laughs> of when the person opens it and I can see that they're happy. I get that joy from being bringing them that happiness. It's always uh, fun when you got to make sure Santa knows the the change of ideas on on gifts. Uh, you know, on December twenty third. Like you got to get that word to say in a last minute and make sure everything's proper. Now that's true. See, I don't have that problem. So stress that comes in there when all of a sudden, yeah, I get, I I get that. I don't have that stress, but I think I still think you could get more enjoyment out of it than it seems like you're getting Leland. Santa's a busy man and, uh, or, you know, the, and, and the, and Mrs. Claus is busy too. And so when, uh, plans get changed on December 23rd and you got to find communication to them and make sure they understand what they need and how to build it quick enough. Yeah, it's. it's you fun. just need to have a sunnier disposition, like me. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love Thanksgiving, and that's that's where I'm going to stand. That's the that's the hill I'm going to die on is Thanksgiving. But that's fine. Uh, thanks for listening this week to all our loyal listeners, and even if this is your first time catching up in some uh, some you know football talk that we had early or some tech talk that we had in the middle. Thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure everybody's following us at Yak Sports Pod, at Yak Sports Pod, on Twitter and Facebook, and the email is yaksportspod at gmail dot com. Subscribe to our podcast; it's free. It's just coming coming straight to your phone. There's nothing, no money involved, but Podbean or Apple or Google or Spotify, and uh, or just wait for our social media posts, and we'll post it every single week. We appreciate uh, you guys listening. We like doing this, and we'll be back next week with more to wrap up region finals and jump into state football playoffs where we're hoping to at least have two teams playing. Uh, for Joe Deck, I'm Leland McCray, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.